Hello, and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY, and you can find me on Instagram at Tokyo Station Pens. My name is Jacob, and you will find me on Instagram at Foodafan, and I have a blog at foodafan.com. Welcome to episode two. Uh, Jacob, uh, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. It's an interesting time for sure, but uh, despite everything that is happening, I do have some new pens and some paper, so I'm happy. Right, and we'll talk about this later as well, but um, Japan has just declared a state of emergency last Tuesday. A bit behind the rest of the world. Um, not exactly ideal, but, you know, life goes on. Um, but what are you writing with? Uh, what, what are you using right now? So I'm writing with a pilot pen that I will talk more about later. It's inked up with a Lennon toolbar ink called Wenshan Puchong Ti, and I'm sure I'm messing up that pronunciation. <clears throat> but I've really become a fan of this Taiwanese brand Lennon toolbar. They have um, beautiful colors, usually these you know, more desaturated pastel colored inks. And um, a bit similar to Kyoto Tag, but the difference I would say is that Lennon Toolbar inks tend to be more wet, so they work better in my pens. I got that for you from Hong Kong, didn't I? You did that, and the reason, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, that's true from like Muse pens. And the reason for that is that uh, Lennon Toolbar inks, just like uh, you know Taiwanese stationery in general, is just inexplicably expensive in Japan. I'm not quite mm. sure what the reason is, but uh, mm -hmm. it's like, like one third of the price almost, or at least less than half the price in, in Hong Kong and Taiwan. Yeah, I wonder what kind of distributors they're using because it seems like um, a lot of the uh, the overseas brands, I mean, obviously it makes sense if you're importing something for it to be a bit more expensive, but we're seeing that uh, the Lennon toolbars are what? Something like 3,000 yen? That's $30? Right. It's one of the more expensive inks here in Japan. It's uh, more expensive than most sailor inks. It's more than almost twice the price of Pilot Iroshizuku and so on. Right. Um, so that, that confuses me because uh, Lennon toolbar inks, they weren't that expensive in Hong Kong. But you know, reasonably assuming we're still importing into Hong Kong from Taiwan since... Uh, it's a different customs area. So, I don't know. Uh, the distributors, especially, it seems, of Taiwanese products, are really raising the price. Um, and obviously, distributors have to make a living somehow. And without them, we wouldn't be able to introduce these products into the market. But the markup is quite significant. Then you said you had a second pen. My second pen is a Chinese pen, a Pen BBS 492, the Magnet Filler, the Year of the Rat Special Edition. And it's inked up with a Marazen ink called Marine Blue, which we'll talk a bit more about later. Jacob, when did you order this pen? So actually, I ordered two of them. So first, a bit of background. This pen was released earlier this year for Chinese New Year. And initially, it was only available on Taobao, which is this Chinese domestic Amazon equivalent, sort of. And we had some friends who were kind enough to order it on Taobao for me and to ship it first to Hong Kong. And then it was meant to be sent from Hong Kong to Japan. But because of a virus and more, it's still stuck in Hong Kong. But recently, PenBBS 
added this pen to their Etsy store. So I bought a second one from their Etsy store and this is the one I'm writing with today. So shipping from China seems to be, um, you know, resuming more or less, not exactly speedy, but, uh, you know, at least the stuff gets there. So it's a bit consistent. I've had two deliveries from China. They were very fast, unusually fast. Then had, I'm waiting for two others that seem to be stuck somewhere in China with some kind of security failure and maybe they had to be recent. Right. And, uh, and maybe this is a good opportunity because you were, I believe, expecting to receive your first uh, magnet filler uh, at the Madison Pen Show. Yes. So let's talk a bit about the pen show and why you weren't able to receive that. Right, yes. So, so Marzen had its annual pen show in March. Uh, they've done this now for 10 or 11 years, I believe. And yeah. so this is, this is a pretty big event and they, have the, they all, always have their own limited edition pens, limited edition inks, and they, they invite... Um, shops like Eurobox and Eboya to, to, to show off the, the products and so on. So And they also have workshops. So it, it's a fairly big event and we have some friends in, in Hong Kong and Taiwan and elsewhere who were meant to come to, to the pen show. But of course this year is very special because of the, the virus situation. So not only were most of the events like workshops that were cancelled but it was dangerous or yet difficult to fly to japan so all of our friends who were meant to come from overseas they they, they had to cancel their trips so so that's why i don't have my my um my first magnet filler and that's uh, why the pension was a bit different this year right um and on top of the cancellations uh this was in the first week of march where things hadn't gone that bad around the world yet. I remember we had um, Paper Late from Slack come to Japan just a week before, and I was supposed to receive my 1950s uh, Mont Blanc 146 um, mailed to me kindly by Hungry Nerd uh, from Slack as well. But obviously that got cancelled, and everybody started uh, cancelling, and including the uh, the event organizers and including a lot of the booths so it seemed like the awareness for the virus was there among retailers even before the state of emergency uh, so as a result what would you how would you classify the traffic um, you know, compared to previous years i remember last year uh, I wanted to buy all of their 10 limited edition show exclusive inks and I lined up, you know, before the show opened and I was maybe, you know, the 20th or 30th person in, in the queue and, and all the inks were, you know, sold out fairly quickly. This time I went there in the afternoon and most, I think all of the inks were still available and I only saw a few people in the shop. So that was very unusual. Right. But then I went a few hours later and all of the inks that I wanted to get were all gone. <laughs> yes, I think what happened is that people didn't, you know, take time off work to go there. But they, they the people who got off work at, you know, around five or six o'clock, they stopped by Marazen and got their inks. So by the time you went there, it was too late. 
Right. Um, and we talked a bit about Marzen in the uh, in the previous episode, but Marzen is is quite special. So as far as I am aware Marizen is closely associated with fountain pens because they were the first retailer in Japan to offer fountain pens. And they imported initially, the first fountain pens in Japan were um, Onoto pens uh, from the UK. And so Marizen was importing these pens and then eventually they developed an, an in-house brand called Athena which would mimic these Onoto pens. So that's why a lot of the, uh, for example, the Streamline or the anniversary, um, the anniversary editions that Pilot's making for them, they all look very similar to vintage Onotos. And um, Marazin used to be a very important spot for, uh, let's say, writers. And one particular writer who wrote um, the book Lemon um, Motojiro uh, Kaji Motojiro he was well known to frequent Maruzen and um, so that's why Maruzen is associated then with Lemon and so they have all these lemon themed uh, um, merchandise at Maruzen so Maruzen is actually now if you go to Maruzen it's quite a small fountain pen space but in terms of the fountain pen history uh, and the significance of Marazen, it's it's actually quite important. And that's why they have this World Fair every year to celebrate um, celebrate their significance, their 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 importance in the fountain pen world in Japan. And I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, it is, and it continues to be a major event here. The pen community is always looking forward to the annual Marazen event, and you have. Uh, you have people who always buy their, their annual limited edition pens. Yeah. And uh, actually, you went there just the evening, wasn't it? Yeah, so I went there in the afternoon and all inks were still available as far as I could tell. What you couldn't find were some of the show exclusive pens. And the reason for that was that they had taken pre-orders this year and some of the pens sold out before the event even started so for example there was a blue custom urushi that sold out quickly uh, but i did have for example time traveler which is this sailor prophet 21 or 1911 l in micarta which is really just a smaller version of last year's 150th anniversary pen the sailor king of pen micarta called voyage and by the way, this Voyage pen came with an ink called Marine Blue, which is a slightly greener version of Eternal Blue, I would say. And this year they started selling the Marine Blue ink separately. Right. And uh, moving on then to the inks, um, I have a complaint, Jacob. I have a complaint about their inks. Y you've heard my complaint um, already but my complaint is their merchandising so you know Marazen inks they're, they're quite nice um, especially I would say some of the later years they became really 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 nice um, and you know you always hear these stories of 
I went to Motos and lined up for four hours and I couldn't get the ink that I wanted. I don't think that should be the business model. And I know that a lot of people talk about rarity and scarcity. I think as a retailer, when you stock products, you have this uh, this world fair. And by the way, the Marazen, um event lasts more than a week, so it's about nine days. It's inconceivable to me that you have a series of products that consistently sells out in the first few hours, not even the first few days, the first few hours of your nine-day event, you need to order more products. You need to have more of these products because, I mean, let's face it, if they were really playing the exclusive, exclusive, I can't say this word today, exclusivity game, then don't re-release these inks. But if you're going to re-release these inks, make them available to people who come to to your event. I mean, if it sells out in the middle of the event or at the end of the event, yeah. But, you know, I went there this year, what is it, at 7 o'clock, so maybe nine hours into, into the event, and they were sold out with no international traffic, maybe half of the local traffic, how is this possible? Who's making the, the merchandising decisions in Marazen? For me, this this is really, really grinds my gears that that the retailers like Itoya, I mean, Itoya is much better. This year's Ink and Kink was very well stocked. But, you know, particularly um, Marazen, um, Kobayashi, Bungukan really just grinds my gears. And that's my rant. Right, that's definitely true. I'm just wondering if that's I'm just wondering if they're sometimes struggling to estimate demand. So inks I definitely agree, but you also see that with the pens. We talked about how some of the show exclusive pens sold out before the show even started, giving people less of a reason to go to the show. I wonder if that is really what they wanted or if it was miscalculated demand. Yeah, and I think it's a bit more difficult for pens, but come on guys, you've been doing this for ten years. You know, what is it? Get your stuff together. Another interesting thing they did this year is that they had not just one, but three new inks. So they have announced they're going to have a new ink called Kinkan. So this, you know, a golden uh, yellow ink. But when we came to the when we went to the event, we saw not one but three new inks: Kinkan, Ginkan, and and Dokan. So, so so silver, gold, and bronze, right? And and the Ginkan was, was the, the real hit, I believe, the one that sold out faster. So would you want to ex- talk about the Ginkan ink and what made it special? Mm. Um, so they had uh, Kinkan, Ginkan, and Dokan. So I think that's going to be quite difficult for our listeners to differentiate. Um, Kinkan is the gold ink. Kin means gold. Ginkan is their silver ink. And... Dokan means their bronze ink. And um, it's quite interesting because they uh, they really pushed Kinkan before the sales uh, event. 
and uh, they had all the swabs ready to go. And uh, we actually went to Marzen a few weeks before the show and had them show us these swabs. And you know, it was a uh, it was an ink, it wasn't particularly exciting uh, or anything, but you know, it was an ink. It was an exclusive ink. We were gonna get it, fine. Then on the day, as you said, they came up with Ginkan and uh, and Dokan, and wow, Ginkan is cool. It's one of the. It's like a Sailor One Two Three, with a color shifting, um, uh, multi-chromatic uh, properties. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. It goes from gray to pinkish to like greenish and purple. Is that correct? Yeah, so the, I would say the base color is gray, but then it has this green and purple uh, uh, undertones, uh, depending on what paper you use. But but with a, with a paper that shades well, you definitely see at least three colors. Yeah, and this ink coming in, uh, coming in the vase bottles, uh, this ink went fast. This ink was... Uh, fortunately, I was able to get my hands on a bottle, but I think there were like three or four bottles left uh, by the time I was there. And, you know, it, it's it's really the one that hit it out of the park for me. It's uh, it's special. I'll tell you why I like it, because it's unique. It's not a monocolor standard gray. I think grays are quite tricky because there's so many and so many good grays. Um, so that's one. Second, it comes in the large bottles. So in terms of the cost performance, if you think about the price, uh, it's a much better uh, value proposition than the 123, which is, I think, one of the most popular grays right now. And three, it's quite legible. You can read. So it's a, it's a light, um, desaturated gray that you can read that's interesting and I think it's still something that you could, I mean, if you're signing legal documents, maybe black or blue is your standard bet. But if you're in an office environment, this is a perfectly, looks perfectly normal from afar. But then when you look deeply into the ink, it has a lot of surprising depth. Uh, and that's what I really love about inks. Um, and then the last one, Dokan, it's, it's, I think, a bit of the lost child of the three inks, don't you think? Yeah, so from the name, it sounds like it will be some kind of bronze copper color, but it's almost like a salmon pink. Yeah, it's uh, it's this salmony um, pinkish orange underhue uh, ink, and I believe it sheens a bit silver, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's a, there's a little bit of that, but very sure. very small, very small. Yeah. Yeah. So those were the three inks, but other than the inks, um, I went there even, um, you know, a bit, a few days later uh, on the weekend uh, for some of the pen events. And although most of them were closed, some of them actually were still open. Before we get into the main topic of Shishikura, uh, I want to talk about um, this company. It was called Hirai. So they're not really a I would say pen management they, they work with wood and they use it says on the website they use uh, the traditional methods of the lokuro ah, yeah. to to cut um, wood and and antler uh, I think it's um, must be deer antler into into pens 
and other like uh, knives, uh, blade handles, and stuff like this. Then maybe we can move on to our main topic about Shishikura. So there's this company in Japan, like Sunrise Trading. Yes. And they 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 sell uh, important cell pens, but they also have a a, a pen doctor, Shishikura-san. So she, I think maybe we talked about her before. She travels around Japan and does you know pen clinics. And she also sells, she designs and sells these um, uh, limited edition sailor pens that there are some of the sparkliest sailor pens around. They are not cheap by uh, any means, but they are incredibly sparkly. And they, she sold, she was at the Morrison event and she sold, I think, two or three new models. And I think you got some of them, right? Uh, she sold two new models. So she, she could have... Uh... Um, is as you say a pen doctor and a pen doctor is what you call you know nib workers in Japan um, so, so she's a pen doctor and she came out with the Sirius series of sailors um, and her pens as you say are some of the most sparkly out there uh, this year I bought two of the pens um one of them is uh yozakura which is transparent pink on the top uh on the on the cap while being a shimmery kind of i would say a subtle blue but with subtle uh it's navy blue but with the subtle um specks of shimmer um on the on the body and then the finials are this kind of creamish color, and then the section is a metal section. So this was uh, this was very interesting. The nib design is this beautiful sakura design with a moon and some uh, traditional Japanese uh, clouds on the nib. And I got two of these. Um, these were these were requested um, from me by some members of Slack. So I got those for them. And then I got um, another one. I'm not quite sure what the name of this one is, but it's a transparent, again, um, sparkly sailor pen, fully transparent with uh, milky white pearlescent uh, finials. And uh, this one also went to another member of Slack. And the thing about Shishikura's pants is that if you want to buy them, you can't just go into a store. You have to look at her, you know, uh, pen clinic schedule and see where in Japan she is going to be and whether sh- she will bring her pants because she's sometimes she doesn't, right? So, yep. so she travels around Japan and does his pen clinics usually at you know retail stores, uh, department stores, sometimes at uh, pen shows, and sometimes she brings her pens t- to sell. And so you need to time your 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 trip to Japan if you're coming from overseas to to yeah, uh, yeah. to coincide with, with those events. And yeah. of course, they do sell out fairly fast, even though they're quite expensive. So it can be a challenge to buy these uh, Shijikura yeah. pens. Um. So so the clear one is called. And as you say, most of the pens are limited run of 50. 50 pens. 
So you can imagine how rare these are. And uh, and you can only buy them in person. So that really adds the rarity. And um, yeah, so I got, I got two of these pens. I got some of her inks, which are now Tonal Limit inks, which is quite interesting. But she's a, she's a very well-respected pen doctor. Um, I got three of these pens, obviously, and uh, so two of the two of the Yozakura and one of the Shinobansho. Um, all three of them were in no, the Shinobansho and one of the Yozakura I got in Zoom, and uh, I got the other Yozakura in B. And when I got there, it seems that most of the M, uh, Bs were going out quicker, whereas the Zooms, um, they stayed in, in stock. So I was I was fairly happy. I got to, to play with uh, one of the nibs, and uh, it's going to be shipped off to its new home soon. But these are stunning pens. And what's interesting about them is, I think, their metal sections. And so these pens run generally, I'd say, if you're looking to export them out to the West, uh, will run you about uh, a bit over five hundred dollars, um, and that's after all of the shipping and uh, you know uh, the various associated costs. About five hundred dollars to get it over to the U.S. So they're not cheap, but they are beautiful. They they are beautiful. Yes. <laughs> so 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 while we are on the topic of uh, recent acquisitions, have you other than your Shishikura pens, have you gotten anything else? Um, yeah, so I got a, I got two things actually. I don't think I, I, I shared with you, but I, I got, um, two different things. They're not for me, but I got, um, one pen from Pentanoto. Did I tell you about the Pentanoto? I don't think you did. So tell me. So I got their, um, letters from Fukushima... Sailor Riallo, and uh, this is not for me. It's this is again for uh, another person uh, on Slack. But the pen is called Shinebagun no Akari. So the kind of the light of Shinebagun, and it's this uh, dark but translucent-ish um, blue pen. It's a Riallo. And I, I regrounded it. I regrounded it into a broad oblique italic, and I really like these Riallo pens. These kind of translucent Riallo pens from Sailor. They're really, really quite nice. Uh, they're well balanced. And it's the only piston filling uh, pen from from Sailor. And you know, as you know, maybe our listeners. Uh, are not aware yet, but I only use pens that aren't CNC, aren't um, cartridge converter pens. So these kind of pens are, are really, really great. And I think I might pick one up for myself. But so, um, pen to note, they have an online store now, right? So previously it yes. was a bit difficult to buy from them. Maybe you could contact them via Instagram and so on. But now I think fairly recently they set up their own online store and they might even... I'm not sure. Do they ship internationally? Um, now I'm looking at their website and it doesn't seem like they ship overseas. So I just sent you uh, a picture. 
Ah, yes, this is the, the dark blue sparkly one. It, it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I might have to get one myself. So one last point that I want to make about this pen from Pentanoto is um, the naming. And we talked about how a lot of the retailers are still in the countryside and they come out with some of the most interesting stuff in Japan. And it, it's quite interesting because I think a lot of the stores have a very strong and proud local identity. So the pen is called um, Shinabagun no Akari and it was inspired by the earthquake that happened in Fukushima. So Pentanoto is from Fukushima and they come out with this whole series of, um, of uh, Fukushima inspired uh, products. There's, there's the letters um, from Fukushima, there's the ink series um, and this uh, Shinabagun no Akari, it means uh, the 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 pen the name means uh, the light of Sinabagun and that's really to symbolize the strength that the Fukushima people feel and to um, to kind of give hope that uh, even though there might be natural disasters uh, even though things might not always go out go um, pan out the way that we want we do have light at the end of the tunnel and i think that's that's quite um quite beautiful quite inspiring they they have a whole line of products uh with this and uh, i think it really it's it's something that resonates with the japanese audience and i think now you know with the situation that's going on now it's it's quite apt isn't it yeah, absolutely. And I, I wonder if in the future we, we're going to see some, some future models with, with names that, that uh, relate to, you know, the, the struggle and o overcoming the, the current struggles. So while we are on the subject of new acquisitions, uh, I mentioned it briefly before, but I, I have been on Mercari. <laughs> Yes, so so we talked about Mercari last time, right? How this is this you know Japanese secondhand marketplace, and for people who don't know, um, when you start the Mercari app on your phone, you get a list. A, you see recent listings, and the re the listings are of course a function of what you have been searching for recently. So if you've been searching for fountain pens, and of course Mercari is going to show you. Uh, recent fountain pen listings and I started Mercari with the intention of selling something and um, but the first thing I saw was you know the listing number four listed just a few minutes ago was a Pilot Custom Urushi and it was from a seller that I bought from before a seller that I trust and the price was very good and I had a bit of a Mercari balance because I had sold stuff recently so yeah I, I bought it I bought it so it was a fantastic price and it's basically as far as I can tell it's like a new pen there are no scratches whatsoever and it writes I, I love this pen it writes beautifully it it, I, I like big pens, as you know, this is definitely a big pen, it's a very... It's a it big, is a big pen, pen. Yes. It, it is almost, I mean, it is so big that you can't really, I mean, it has a clip, but it's kind mm -hmm. of pointless because you can't have this pen clipped to a shirt pocket, it looks, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> you can use it as a roll stopper, so I, I, I like the fact that, you know, 
I like the clip for that reason, but it's definitely not the pen you have in your shirt pocket. And it's even too, too long for most of my pen cases. So I'm not quite sure how to and you know, bring this one to work if I even want to bring this to work but it's so comfortable in hand and this nib is you know pilot's size 30 there it's a newly designed nib for this pen and it has this soft touch and I didn't you know I, I had told myself that I didn't like soft nibs I'm not sure if I was in denial or if I had changed my mind but I like this nib but you've also told yourself that you don't like pilot pens yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that there's this saying, strong opinions weakly held. You have a strong opinion about something, <laughs> but you can easily be swayed in another direction. And, and this pen has mm. swayed me in the other direction. I, I lost and I, I, I love this pen. And that's what's so dangerous about, about Mary Carey. So I, as, as I think I mentioned last time, but the thing about Mary Carey is that it's not an auction, right? So people post something they want to sell and the first person who presses the buy button gets it right so you see a new listing especially if you see that it was post like minutes or seconds ago you know that not many people have looked at this yet so you need to make a quick decision is this something i want to buy because if it's a good deal then you probably need to buy it right there right now you need to buy it right yes. there yes. right now and that is that is what's so dangerous about mercury so now that we're in a state of emergency, uh, how are pen acquisitions like in the age of COVID-19? So, so, so I've been working from the office most of this week. I couldn't work from home. And I remember I went to Marzen on Wednesday uh, after lunch. And that was, that was after the state of emergency had been declared. But Marzen was open as usual. Maybe the opening hours had been changed. Maybe there were slightly fewer people, but it was more or less business as usual. So you, you could buy whatever you wanted there. Um, I think that's mostly the case, still the case today. I actually went to the website today and some of their shops in, in you know, Sendai and so on have been closed, but their the, the big stores are still open. And I think that is true for many other shops too that you can still you can still uh, go to the retail stores and you can definitely buy what you want online what you cannot necessarily do is buy from overseas because you know we're starting to see shipping problems in both directions yeah and um and ever since the state of emergency and this is the thing with um japanese businesses that they're waiting for the government to do something before they want to act so they they think you know safety of their employees and of their customers is kind of the responsibility of the government and it's really really interesting because um the moment that the state of emergency was announced and uh the moment after quake governor asked uh, asked businesses uh, or asked shoppers to stay at home for the weekend what happened was that all of a sudden, all of the major department stores uh, decided we're going to shut down our department stores and uh, we're going to close for the weekend or um, then the state of emergency happened and then they're now closed from uh, April 9th all the way up to May 6th. But this is only possible because the government asked for the state of emergency. 
So what this means for retailers is that um, some big retailers uh, and maybe it's something that our listeners wouldn't have expected, but a lot of department stores carry a fountain pen section. So Isetan has some limited edition Twisbees, for example, and they have a, a bunch of other limited editions. They also sell um, private reserve via their ink bar. But so they're closed out until uh, until May 6th. And I checked their online store and their online store is not open either. And um we mentioned uh, Kobayashi just now, and I, I know I didn't talk about Kobayashi because um, this was a post-state of emergency acquisition for a friend. Um, so I bought two of their uh, Makie caplices, uh, the vanishing points. And usually they're not available um, unless you go to their store, but because of the state of emergency, because nobody can go out anymore, they've started to open a, a um, domestic shipping. So if you're in Japan, you can now buy from Kobayashi uh, via Instagram. So that was also a bank transfer um, payment. Other than that, we have a lot of events now shifting online. Um, Tono Limbs, uh, we mentioned that they had some events um, on the last episode, but they were meant to do an event in Fukuoka a few weeks ago. And instead of outright canceling the event, uh, they decided to move part of their event online. So they had these timed releases where you have to follow the Instagrams, um, follow the Twitter in order to know what's dropping uh, and what's, uh, what's going to be available from who. So it's quite interesting because we have, um, for the past five to 10 years, we had the system in, in fashion of uh, of the you know timed drops let's say and now we're seeing the the pen industry kind of adapting to the situation and also adopting this uh, drop style um event uh sales model one thing we have seen is that um events that were scheduled for this month they have been cancelled and replaced with, with online events. So, for example, um, we talked in the first episode, we talked about this paper show Kamihaku and we talked about Tono and Lim's spring events. They have both been cancelled um, in the original form and they have been replaced with what they call online events. And I think they're still trying to figure out what that format is meant to be. But as far as I can tell, it means two things right now. It means that they open up either on an online store or via an Instagram post. They say, hey, we have right now for today or this week, this particular limited edition uh, or or this thing you can buy only right now. The other thing they do during this online event is that they invite uh, you know, creators like hand lettering artists to do uh, online streaming on Instagram, for example, when they show how beautiful this new ink, this new Tone and Limbs ink is. So, for example, someone like Beshori, they might invite him to do you know, hand lettering with the latest and greatest uh, Tone and Limbs ink. All right, so what are you doing now uh, with your lockdown time at home? What are you doing with your stationery? I've been playing a bit with paper. <laughs> so 
we uh, we talked in the first episode or there was a question about you know what, what paper people use here in japan what is considered fountain pen friendly and so on and earlier this week i found this memo pad from a company called kamiteria or kamiteria in japanese and it was a paper sampler so similar to that yamamoto paper uh, sampler but but instead of a4 sheets it was just a small memo pad like b7 size and actually they sold three versions of it. There was one for pencils and was one for ballpoint pens and one uh, for fountain pens. And each had different, had different papers. So, so the one that I got, the one for fountain pens, it had five different kinds of papers that were chosen to be because for their fountain friendliness. And it was okay fools and bank paper and Tomoe River, what they call Tomoe River Techo, so that 52 GSM, the, the thinnest one. And then something called Spica Bond, which I'd never heard of before, and, and also something called Eastery uh, COC, another one that I had at least n- never heard of. But what I found interesting, the most interesting thing about this product, this, this memo pad was not so much the paper as in the description. So they, so they got you got the little note that described each kind of paper and what made it fountain pen friendly. What are you know the properties of this paper? And it did not talk about shading at all. It did not talk about sheen. There were really three terms that that came that that were repeated over and over. One was you know kakiaji. So how how nice is it to write on this paper? And then there's you know Kyushu says so how well does it absorb ink, and the third one uh, is how well it, uh, it it you know how little ghosting or show through bleed through you see so uranuke, and when you read these descriptions and uh, going back to kakeaji so to the feeling it says for example for okay fools it says kari kari toshita natsukashi mukashi nagare no kakeaji. So it, 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 they made it a selling point that it's not smooth, that it has this, you know, nostalgic toothiness to it. And, and also that they, they make it a point, they, they make it sound like a feature that it absorbs ink well. So it has, you know, ink no subayai kyushuse. And it's the same for the other papers. So for the speaker bond, it says, you know, ink no suikomenga batsugun. So they make it a selling point that this is absorbent paper. So for someone who, you know, considers, say, you know, Rhodia to be, you know, fountain pen friendly, they would read this and think that this is, you know, the, the polar opposite, right? Uh, so, so obviously, yeah, it, it, it's, it's subjective. And, and I don't know if Kamiteria, you know, wrote this themselves or if they copied and pasted marketing material. But to me... This is more or less consistent with what I've heard about people, how they describe, you know, fountain pen friendliness in Japan. So not in terms of shading and sheen, but in terms of how well does it write and, and, and how absorbent is it. So does that, is that consistent with, you know, what you've heard too? I mean, are there words for shading and sheening? I mean, I know, I know sheening here, it's called... Yeah, red flash. So um, pink flash or whatever, whatever flash it is. But it's it's a very new and 
not everybody uh, it's a very new term not everybody uses it i don't know what shading is it's, it's true that there's no direct translation of a shading but but sometimes you see you know the, this null refill paper it talks about how vivid the ink looks on paper what i found interesting about these papers is that that was not mentioned as a you know as a feature here. it was more about how it felt to write less about what ink looked like yeah and maybe shading shading is more considered a feature of the ink rather than the paper that that may be true but obviously even your your sheen monster might not look as good on on um yeah no, some papers yeah. right yeah um and, and i'll get to that uh in a bit um uh, but let's finish up um let's let's continue with the commentary of paper samples because you just talked about okay fools yeah so 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 all of the descriptions were were kind of similar or four out of the five were similar in that they, they talked about um how it was to write on it and and uh, how well it absorbed ink the one standout was Toma river where they talked about how I even though it's very thin you still don't have any bleed through so that was that was the, the standout um and obviously that, that that's also the property we, we were familiar with um with Toma uh, river so i played around with these papers myself and I would say that, you know, Spica Bond and Eastery, they had the most most texture. I actually really liked writing on both of these papers, but ink looked very dull uh, on it. You, you had, uh, again, this goes back to shading. There was no shading whatsoever. It was just one, one tone and it was not vivid at all. And then one level up from that was bank paper, where you did get a little bit of shading and you still had a nice texture and you had very little in terms of a bleed through. The one that I liked the most, I really liked this OK Fool's paper because it had a bit of texture, not as much as the others, but it had a little bit of texture, which I think is nice because it helps you really, you know, shape the, the, the characters. Um, and it had surprisingly good shading and at least with the pens i had inked up i didn't see any any bleed through and very little, little ghosting but the big caveat here is that i only had um my pen bbs inked up with this um with this bent nib which is kind of medium-ish they call it fine but it's more of a medium-ish nib and then i had my mont blanc with well it doesn't say what it is but it's sort of medium finish actually this is the nib that you worked on for me you you fixed a hard start on that nib so so it's not it's it's kind of finish it's quite wet because of the ebonite feed feed but it's still relatively fine so maybe if you're using you know a double broad or music maybe some of these papers will fall apart and maybe that's when you will see you know the the, the um uh, the bleed through resistance of Tommy River versus the others more clearly, but at least with, with these nibs, I would say I, I was surprised by how, how nice OK Fools behaved. So I, I might go get some uh, OK Fools notebooks now. I've been um, at home. Honestly, I write less now that I'm at home, um, but I've been trying this uh, vintage onion skin paper. So According to one of our good friends, it used to be very common as a typewriter 
paper, but it takes um, fountain pen ink quite well. It doesn't bleed through, uh, but it shows through. There's, there's no feathering, and um, like the the bank paper and the speaker bond that you were talking about, it, it makes the ink look a bit more dull. So the same ink on Tomoe River will shade like crazy, but on this uh, this onion skin paper, it just gets absorbed into the paper and uh, looks a bit more flat. I, I've noticed that it does, it can sheen a bit, but but certainly not as much. And so I, I have a bunch of this onion skin paper that when I went to uh, Kyoto, I made into a vintage um, kimono uh, book, this, this journal. So now I have this uh, B5 sized um, journal with a bunch of onion skin paper in it. And I am planning on making a um, kind of like a ink collection, uh, ink catalog in this notebook. Uh, which now seems a bit weird because now that I've tested the paper, it's not exactly uh, it's not exactly something that shows off the properties very well. But that that's what I've been doing. So I've been practicing um, getting ready for it, uh, practicing some of my calligraphy, uh, trying to plan out how I want to to do this uh, this notebook. Another thing that I've been doing is that. Uh, recently, I went over to a uh, friend's house who lives maybe 20 minutes away from me by foot. So we, we've just been walking here, no transportation for us. Um, we, went, we went over and um, I did a small little uh, workshop exercise uh, with her, um, teaching her the basic strokes of, um, of kanji. And so that was a very fun um, fun time out there. We had some cheese fondue, and we uh, we wrote a lot of kanji. And you know, maybe in a future episode we can get her on the show. Her house is amazing. It it's a stationary store in the house. Um, it, it's incredible. And because of her, uh, Jacob, I bought a typewriter. <laughs> So been been playing with my uh, Olivetti Lettera 32 um, for a while uh, these past few days. But yeah, that that's what I've been doing at home. And she, of course, she is one she is one of Shishikura's biggest fans, and and she also also very knowledgeable about these pens. So yeah, we should definitely get her on, on the show. That that would be very interesting. Yeah, she's uh, she's very very good. Uh, and she knows a lot. She knows a lot for sure, yes. Should we move on to, to, to questions? Do we have any new questions or, or unanswered questions? Yeah, we have some new questions, some unanswered questions. Um, so, let's see. So, Nemodos asks, how common is it for people to take their everyday pens to get work done? Uh, for example, a nib grind or a barrel slap, uh, barrel slash nib fitting. So what I would say about that is that it's 
reasonably popular to get like uh, ink flow adjustment done. So people go to these you know retail store events with a pen that they have received or uh, bought, and it doesn't write as well as they like. So, so they want to make it more wet. They might they want um, to remove some some toothiness or maybe the other way around. It's not, they don't go and say, can you make this stuff? They, they, they are saying, can, can you solve this you know, particular problem with a nib to make it more or less wet? I think this whole idea of getting a nib grind is relatively new here, or at least very, very niche. What would you say? I, I absolutely agree with you. I think um, a lot of Japanese uh, consumers are obsessed with the, this is how it came from the factory. Uh, kind of usage and there, there's a big fear of changing the nib so nib grinds as in regrind into say italic or you know whatever weird and funky shapes you have it's it's very rare and uh, and the grinders will do it but they also have some hesitation so uh, one of our friends she she took uh, the Platinum Noka SM to be ground into an italic and Mr. Mori from Wagner said uh, oh no um, not Mr. Mori yeah Mr. Mori said yeah you're ruining the nib so uh, a lot of grinders themselves have a bit of hesitation in doing that so you need to know who to look for and somebody that you, you've worked with uh, quite a while not everybody uh, is willing to accept that kind of work yet um somebody that is very willing is nagahara he i think is is more prolific in changing the profile of the nib you do have however people grinding um for nib reduction just slightly so so that is something that happens but very rarely changing the shape yeah, right. And you mentioned Nagahara there, and he is obviously one of the best, if not the best person in the industry. And he offers four different levels of a, a nib services. And the first level does not even involve any kind of nib grinds. So the first level is just ink flow adjustments. You pay him, I think, 3000 yen to get your nib to, to flow, uh, to be wetter or drier. But then you mentioned something interesting, which I agree with, is that the, uh, some of the nib grinders here heard about Kawaguchi in particular they are quite opinionated about what you sh as a customer should and should not be doing right so he might be saying that no that is not a good idea and then uh, you also have um, people who call themselves and who are in you know, pen doctors but don't even offer grinds so pen doctors to them means I will fix the ink flow for you but I will not turn your you know broad into a, a cursive italic Yep, especially pilots, pen doctors. Yes. So that's all for today. Thank you. Again, um, Jacob, do you have any shout-outs that you want to make? Uh, sure. So I would shout-out to our friend Alessa. She has this uh, YouTube channel at Inky Rocks, and she does the most uh, hilarious and amazing pen and ink reviews. I would call her the Michael Bay of uh, Michael Bay of pen, pen reviewers. reviewers. That she is. The Michael Bay of pen reviewers. I agree. Any anyone else you want to shout out? There are a few podcasts I always enjoy. One is the the nib section, and another one is Fountain Pen Companion. 
Yeah, and uh, I will shout out to the Pen Addict. Uh, thank you so much for talking about us on your last episode. We really, really appreciate it. Um, it's always incredible to to hear. You know, we we just made one episode, and uh, and it, it's great to hear uh, such positive feedback. Shout out to all of you, the listeners. Um, we have had an incredible, incredible response uh, to the podcast. I mean, we weren't expecting so much for episode one, but we have almost 300 downloads. So that's all thanks to you guys. Um, shout out to everybody who uh, submitted questions. Your questions make the podcast more interesting. And then finally, a really, really uh, big shout out to all the content creators out there who are making our lives a bit more interesting at this time all for free. Uh, shout out to all of the retailers who um, are modernizing and moving to an online style uh, retail experience that helps us uh, continue with this hobby and with this passion while we are unable to go outside. Um, thank you very much. This has been uh, Tokyo Inklings, episode two. My name is CY, and you can find me on Instagram at Tokyo Station Pens. That's Tokyo Station Pens on Instagram. And my name is Jacob, and you will find me on Instagram at foodafan, and I have a blog at foodafan.com. All right. Uh, then without further ado, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Right.